Chapter Three of Bismarck and the Origin of the German Empire by F. M. Poic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Germany. The constitution of the German Empire, the best summary of Bismarck's work, shows the influence of many traditions and political principles. It is federal, yet one of the most united of federations. It expresses national desires yet just as it comprehends poles and lorrainers it is capable of sheltering the old cosmopolitan ideals of germanic culture its legislative body is democratic elected by universal suffrage its federal council or upper house as representative of the various governments is composed of official aristocrats its ministers are responsible to the chancellor and through him to the emperor alone if we try to discover why modern germany is so distinctly national while being so distinctly federal we are forced back upon a study of medieval institutions which expressed themselves in a very complicated political geography if we ask why the ideals of german unity have been so various we must turn for an answer to eighteenth-century enlightenment to napoleon to the prejudices of class and the insistence upon state rights and to the constitutional movements inspired by modern liberalism german political geography germany today contains several large states a few small ones and three city republics they have had very different origins some states for example bavaria can be traced back distinctly to early tribal divisions others for example prussia the largest and royce one of the smallest had their origin in official areas of various kinds formed in various periods yet all of them however unbroken their history may be are the result of constant artifice they are the survivals of a very complicated political system in which racial official dynastic traditions were twisted into all kinds of shapes by war and conquest religious passions and diplomatic contrivance this process began in the ninth century and is not yet completed the first stage was reached when the administrative areas whether they carried on tribal traditions or not had assumed what may be called state form this stage was completed in the thirteenth and fourteenth centuries the local orders of society grouped themselves round the administrative aristocracy which became hereditary and semi-independent comprising the princes of the empire at the same time those vassals of the emperor who had not been swept into this system assumed the same legal status bishoprics and abbeys official areas of lower rank which had successfully resisted the influence of their greater neighbours cities which owed their privileges to the emperor or had thrown off the rule of bishop or abbot became states even the swarm of knights who through the downfall of the great southern duchies had become the immediate vassals of the emperor acquired the independence if not the rights and privileges of a state the second stage was completed in the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries as a result of the religious wars many of the ecclesiastical states were secularized 
and each state definitely gained the rights of self-government in religious matters and independence in forming foreign relations moreover the theory of absolutism that sovereignty is a form of property spread through germany it was held especially in the north where in the course of the seventeenth century the doctrine of serfdom which denied legal rights to the peasants seems to have been developed in this period the great state of prussia was formed the margraves of brandenburg succeeded to the duchy of prussia which had been formed among heathen non-germanic tribes by the teutonic knights a crusading order when in the first month of the eighteenth century frederick of brandenburg assumed the title of king he called himself king of prussia january seventeen o one his dominions were scattered his predecessors had won a group of duchies and ecclesiastical territory in the west on both sides of the rhine his margravate of brandenburg lay in the middle of north germany separated from the rhenish and prussian possessions but the absolutist principles of the new monarchy were sufficiently strong to keep them together frederick's grandson frederick the great acted as a european rather than a german prince waged civil war in germany and added the rich province of silesia and a large part of poland to his kingdom the third and most important stage in the political history of germany was reached in eighteen fifteen at the end of the eighteenth century three hundred and twenty distinct territories were inscribed in the list of the ten circles into which germany was divided and about forty more were not comprised in the circles although the real power lay with the greater secular princes this diffusion of sovereignty made unity impossible napoleon desirous of creating a manageable number of allied and dependent states in germany encouraged the absorption of the ecclesiastical states the cities and the tiny immediate territories by the princes through his influence the dukes of saxony bavaria Württemberg took the title of king finally he put together an artificial kingdom of westphalia in the north when the victorious allies took stock of his work in eighteen fourteen and fifteen they were able to create a new germany of about forty states instead of the four hundred which had existed a few years before on the other hand if federation was made possible by this reduction in the number of states it was not favoured by rulers who had won new dignities strength and independence by the change german nationality and cosmopolitan ideals the slow disintegration of germany deprived the german people of effective political unity but did not impair their national unity or their sense of race in times of mental or spiritual activity as during the period of the renaissance the consciousness of national unity was very marked indeed it was sufficiently strong to inspire several attempts at political reform as the central power lost influence the princes occasionally tried to enforce schemes of constitutional unity a common army common taxation a central court of justice a more powerful diet but the formation of different state churches in germany 
and the growth of foreign influence disturbed all these plans in the eighteenth century a sense of german unity with any political force did not exist it was only revived by the napoleonic wars an interesting attitude to life which can only be described as cosmopolitan took the place of a vigorous nationalism this attitude was partly the cause partly the result of the failure to maintain a common life in the tenth century the king of the germans became the head of the holy roman empire germany was for a time but part of his dominions and when imperial ideas gave way before dynastic ambition was beyond the control of any ruler the emperor was elected he was compelled to acquiesce in the limitations which were imposed upon him and he consequently devoted his energies to the aggrandizement of his house the success of the Habsburgs, who managed to retain the imperial dignity for nearly four hundred years, involved Germany in every European difficulty. As head of the House of Austria, the emperors added the kingdoms of Bohemia and Hungary, the north of Italy, and the provinces now known as Belgium to their patrimony. As head of the empire, they lost Alsace and Lorraine to France. In the north, the growing state of Prussia maintained the borders of the empire, but secured independence as a reward. The result was inevitable. Divided into innumerable governments, involved in the fortunes of Slav, Czech, Magyar, and Latin peoples, the Germans either forgot their unity or sought their destiny in other than political fields. The thoughtful and educated class, the intellectuals, began to expound a doctrine of cosmopolitanism french became the fashionable language as it was with the young russians of forty years ago the german aimed at being a citizen of the world even those who by their devotion to their mother tongue laid the foundations of modern germany had no idea of nationality lessing professed to have no love of country germans cried schiller do not seek to form a nation content yourselves with being men he meant that by the exercise of their natural powers they would sufficiently fulfil the mission of the german race unfortunately the men of the eighteenth century lived in a false security the french revolution came and after it napoleon came he destroyed the empire which officially ceased to exist in eighteen o six he took the germans at their word and disregarded german nationality the germans realized that they were a people and destroyed him hence in eighteen fifteen the spirit of cosmopolitanism was at last opposed in germany by an equally powerful spirit of nationality nationality and constitutionalism the assertion of german nationality could not cease with the fall of napoleon the appeal to it had involved an appeal to organized popular force new armies gathered together and disciplined in new ways new universities inspired by new teachers new municipal institutions new freedom for the peasantry these were the means by which the great german statesmen stein hardenberg and the rest had created a national resistance in prussia in the smaller states the same spirit prevailed all seemed to be agreed that germany must assert herself as the republic 
as Napoleon had trained France to assert herself. Very many wished to go further. For them, nationality meant liberalism and a national constitution. But this was by no means the intention of the ruling element in the German states. Nor had any statesman, however sympathetic he may have been with the ideal of a national state, thought out for himself how the change was to be made. The spirit of cosmopolitanism, which had hidden herself in the recesses of the courts, began to make herself heard once more. The enemy, she said, was not Napoleon, but the forces of anarchy and change which had only used Napoleon as an instrument. Liberalism was the revolution in another form. It did not understand the meaning of nationality, but used the name in order to enchain governments. Nationality was impossible if legitimate institutions and ancient rights were disregarded. Moreover, how could so-called national institutions be created which did not involve a contradiction? The independence of Saxony and Bavaria were surely grounded in something more than artifice. The German Confederation of 1815 expressed this point of view. The Holy Roman Empire in its unworkable constitution had disappeared. The new constitution had none of the prestige, but contained most of the defects of the old. It survived with one short period of suspended vitality until 1866, and during the first thirty years of its existence it was interpreted by the Austrian statesman Metternich. It was originally a form of compromise between the conservatives and the popular movement which won the victories of the war against Napoleon. Each state was to be strictly independent. The Confederation was an association for defense against enemies and for the maintenance of peace within its borders. It gave no opportunity for cooperation in the great task of a nation conscious of itself, the reorganization of its social life on a national basis. On the other hand, a famous clause, number 13, guaranteed representative institutions to the several states, and other clauses dealt with religious toleration and the freedom of the press in a liberal spirit. Now such a constitution was clearly capable of many different kinds of development. If the thirteenth clause had been interpreted and fulfilled in a liberal fashion, the German Confederation would probably have assumed by degrees some such form as that of the United States of America. The central government would have been strengthened, and the political problems at issue would probably have been state-right questions of an economic and religious kind. For reasons which are already apparent and will become clearer as we proceed, any development of this kind was impossible. Within five years Metternich had given quite a different interpretation to the Constitution. The German Federal Act of 1815 was explained by the Final Act of 1820, and by various later decrees between 1830 and 1840. All possibility of increasing the power of central institutions, even for purposes of military defense, was prevented, but the Federation was given powers to stamp out all liberal or revolutionary propaganda, and to protect all rulers against any constitutional demand which threatened their absolute authority. Inasmuch said the fifty-seventh clause of this final act, 
as with the exception of the free towns the german confederation is composed of sovereign princes the full and undivided power of each state must continue to reside in the hands of the head of the state metternich had with great skill persuaded the german governments that this addition to the federal act was necessary by means of his great influence he was able to repress liberals in germany and to make the confederation the most important european exponent of the principles of reaction as in the middle ages the germans stood for universal rather than national principles the influence of austria was necessarily both anti-liberal and anti-national the austrian duchies are german but then as now they were but part of an empire the new empire of austria which was mainly composed of slav or magyar elements in origin the austrian duchy was a border district organized to resist slavish or hungarian invaders it had always been and was still regarded as being essentially a german province but in any case the control of germany through austria seemed to metternich to be necessary if the equilibrium of the austrian empire was to be maintained the empire relied upon the suppression of national as well as of liberal tendencies and much as metternich hated liberal principles on their own account he probably hated them even more as a vehicle of national and racial aspirations at first metternich seemed to have set himself an easy task the liberals were unable in view of the policy of the larger states to hope for support from the federal diet for a time they ceased to identify themselves with the demand for unity and turned their attention to the formation of political reforms in the states they were remarkably successful in one state after another more or less liberal constitutions were established before eighteen twenty and the reaction of the following years had to face much local opposition but the cause of nationalism seemed to be dead the more radical reformers derived their inspiration very largely from extra-national sources from paris or the exiled poles national liberalism began to give way before a republican movement which was cosmopolitan in character and which was followed by a still more cosmopolitan socialism when however the radical movements in france england belgium and even in spain portugal and switzerland were merged after eighteen thirty in a process of national reconstruction and in the cases of england and france in a vigorous foreign policy national feeling in germany revived germany also like england was coming more and more under the influence of an industrial middle class the liberalism of this class was intensely national for it was moved by the desire to establish freedom of trade systematic communications and transit and a common body of reasonable laws throughout the confederation in eighteen forty the danger of a european war brought about by the forward policy of france under thiers sent a thrill through the land which renewed the spirit of the war of liberation from this year at least the national liberal party was a real force in germany other forces however had to be reckoned with although men may adopt a body of political principles for various reasons more or less relevant 
they fall under certain intellectual influences by adopting them they seek to find some justification for their desires in the nature of things metternich for example had developed a doctrine of legitimacy to explain his conservatism and a right of intervention to justify his desire to make others conservative the national stirrings in germany had provoked such an intense intellectual activity that the national liberals soon found themselves faced by several rival creeds the constitutional point of view was too simple to meet the needs of germany it had its origin in countries which could look back on centuries of strong centralized government the experience of england which was so often referred to by the liberals seemed to many german nationalists to be so unique as to be beside the mark they learned their creed from their own lawyers or philologists or historians hence while metternich was keeping his eye anxiously upon the constitutional party which desired to turn germany into a great democratic state his real enemies were forming their opinions unnoticed they were also concealed by the political visionaries who dreamed of a greater germany expounding under the twin leadership of prussia and austria a message of religious conservatism the new men were not of this way of thinking their historians were teaching them that a healthy selfishness is the lawful motive of every organized state their philosophers were teaching them that an organism is by its very nature self-supporting and has its own right to exist their philologists made them conscious that the germans had a great racial tradition behind them and owed no duty to slav or magyar these were the influences which intensified the national pride of prussia drove austria out of germany and scattered the hopes of the constitutional party after the war of eighteen seventy a great french scholar wrote to an equally great german you have raised in the world the banner of a political system based upon race and archaeology our revolution found a voice for the people by eighteen forty eight then there were three great forces at work in germany the conservative the liberal and the spirit of nationality based upon history and race the conservative principle was centred in the assertion of the powers of the monarchs the liberal principle in the idea of a popular constitution in most of those southern states which had received constitutions monarchical government was as a matter of fact preserved the influence of the french constitution of eighteen fourteen issued by the restored bourbon king louis the eighteenth and the teaching of the more conservative school of constitutional theorists prevailed over the radical influences the importance of the german compromise between parliamentary and monarchical government will appear later it was safeguarded by the maintenance of the various independent states in the federation citizens who desired to preserve the individuality of their states soon found that the dynastic interests of their rulers were the best security for its existence hence if they were nationalists they were monarchists and federalists also the chief battleground of all these forces was prussia End of chapter three